Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Ramos Law Difference Makers podcast. And today I have a very, very, very special treat for me and for you. Today, I get Dr. Joe Ramos in person. He and I are gonna chop it up. This is one of our chopping it up sections. I hope you guys have listened to these before and have enjoyed every single one we've done in the past. If not, go check them out. But today, Dr. Ramos, I, I happen to steal him. I got him, pulled him from his schedule, <laughs> drug him from his office because we've been talking about something and learning about something together that I thought was important to share with you and, and no better person talked to this topic other than Dr. Ramos on leadership. Dr. Ramos, uh, thank you for joining me today. Oh, no, that's kind. Well, thank you for having me today. Having you, this you, is your place. No, you, 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 tricked, you tricked me. I, uh, uh, Dr. Hovind had asked, uh, had asked me this morning, now do you know what this is about? And I said, I have no idea. I just I just saw a podcast on my schedule. So yes. um, but I like these. He said the chop it up uh, yeah. sections like we did before, and yep. or sessions I should say. And uh, it was very, I had a great time the last time we did it. We probably should do these more often. We really should. And on, you know, I've been really focusing on leadership. You have entrusted me to take leadership and spread it throughout our organization. And thankfully, since you and I have gotten together almost six years ago, by the wow. way, be six wow. years ago coming up, we've seen our practice flourish. We've seen the people mm. flourish and grow. And so much of that, as, as you know, and that I've learned from you comes from leadership. And I will tell you, of I've been you know at 55, been through a few companies, had a few companies myself, worked in lots of places. You are a great leader. You lead in Thank so you. many great yes. ways. And that's why I thought if I could just get you for a few minutes to share your thoughts on leadership, we can chop it up back and forth. And I think that people watching and listening will really get something out of this. So by the way, if you're watching and if you're listening, please share this with someone. Leadership goes across all spectrums, all boundaries for everything. So as you hear something that rings true to your heart, share this with someone and uh, we'll enjoy doing this for you. So Dr. Ramos, define yeah. leadership for me and what it means. Yeah, and, and I'm gonna define it for you, but I wanna say one thing really quick. Um, this is a very special session to me that you would actually start with leadership. And the reason is because when you and I worked together a long time ago as doctors in the same office, I saw your leadership. And when um, I recruited you <laughs> into this business, um, it was because I'd already, already identified you as a great leader. So for you to um, uh, say something about my leadership skills to someone who I look up to for leadership, that means a lot to me. I mean that sincerely. Oh, I mean that sincerely. You. That's that's uh, not just for sake of some podcast. I really, really mean that. Um, well, thank you. You've always so struck much. my heart deeply with your leadership, because um, well, leadership. And let's go right into that. What is the definition of leadership? And to me, leadership is the ability um, to bring together a, a a group of people. And it doesn't matter if it's a small group or a large group. It doesn't matter if it's a single person, for that matter, as far as size goes. Um, it's to help them find direction and purpose that makes the world a better place. Because um, if you think about what we do here while we're on earth, you know, ultimately, uh, unfortunately, we have the, you know, the pressures often of economics and life and homes and cars and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden, someone very close to you will die. You just experienced this with your yes. own son. Yes. And, um, you know, we have a, one of our teammates here who has someone in the hospital right now who, you know, very well could pass away very, very sick. We had an email last night from another teammate of ours of someone else who was shot and passed away. And if you think about it, when that happens, what do you really have, mm. right? And it really is all those leadership skills where you touch someone. When we uh, had Connor's service and to hear about his leadership and how he was and the people he touched, the wave he made. So to me, that's what leadership is. It's bringing together one or many people to find a purpose that's everlasting and that makes a mark, makes a mark while we're here because the mark while we're here is in our bank accounts. It's not what we drive or where we live. Wow, that's beautiful. And you know, I will say the characteristics that I've seen from you and learned from you in leadership have been things like you always show up, right? When you're there, you're showing up mm -hmm. in spades, all in to make sure that you are connected with the people. You, as a, in a one-on-one -on -one leader, you, the words I've used about you are you're intoxicating, your personality <laughs> is one because you always make the person that you're talking to feel like the most important person in the room. Mm. You always have, 20 mm. some years I've known you, you have that gift and a leader in my mind is someone who can make everyone feel important. You know, And so seeing that from you has been a characteristic that I've really admired and I've tried to emulate in, with people to be present because we've all got so much going on that you know, sometimes I'm like, 
okay, yeah, yeah, and I'm listening, but I'm typing or something. So to take that moment and just come around, that's important. Where did you get that skill? Or is that natural for you? You know, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I probably didn't, don't recognize that, or I don't mm. know that. Um, I'll tell you a skill that I've seen you um, do that I try to emulate in my leadership, and that is that I see you as someone who serves. And, um, and maybe it's that that you deem as present or all in or mm. intoxicating. Um, ever since I've been around you, you serve. You serve people, you serve your teammates, you're always helping someone, you're always showing up somewhere, you're always just listening to someone. And that's service, right? And to me, that's an example, um, well, you know, you know my Christian beliefs, that's mm -hmm. an example, of, you know, those are Christ-like uh, behaviors when you just serve, you just serve. And I don't think you really practice serving um, I think you can maybe be consciously aware of it and maybe then it'll become unconscious and maybe there was somewhere in the past that that happened, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I know that I see you do that and, um, and that's affected my behaviors and leadership, that service mentality. You know what makes great teammates is the ability for, uh, I just listened to a podcast, I love John Maxwell, big mm -hmm. leadership guy and I just listened to one of his podcasts and he talks about leading Verse and, and motivating versus manipulating. Mm -hmm. And what you and I are going back and forth on, we feed off each other's strengths. And yeah. we always have, right? Whether yes. it's in a presentation place for where yes. you talk about something and I talk about something or in a meeting or in a relationship, it works great. And I noticed that teams, especially when leaders of the teams try to be selfless, and I, I can be selfish like the next guy, but <laughs> we try and focus on being selfless. It makes a big difference in those that they sense that. Like I, for example, I was talking to one of our team yesterday. And so she, we have, uh, for those of you watching, listening, we have a medical team. We have several divisions within our firm. And one of those divisions, medical team, and we have five people on that team now. So it's grown from one right. to five yes. and it serves this really special function. And one of the new people from the medical team came uh, to the event that you were at, that we were at together for our shout outs. So every Friday or one Friday a month for, again, for the audience, we do a shout out session as part of our culture where if someone has called in from the outside about a team member yes. and something special that they've done, they get a shout out in front of everybody, 90 people, they get a shout out and then they get a little gift from the firm. And so we have this new person here and uh, she's on the med team and so you know her, but without mm -hmm. using her name, mm -hmm. she was sitting there and had only known you because she came over from a company that we actually work with, their provider company, but she came over for a different experience to be with us. She's okay. brand new. She's sitting in the audience. And when she got done with that, she's like, it was Dr. Ramos actually talking with us, right? Huh. To, to be present, to have that thing where you're all in, like we talked about, the way that it affected a new person and our new litigation attorney, Natalie, same thing. They can't believe what is created and all that starts at the top, right? Culture dri mm. is driven from leadership. I, I completely agree with you. I think that um, I think that culture is driven from leadership, and I think even the ability to motivate. You mentioned, and I'm, I'm curious to ask you this question. You said uh, you'd heard this this podcast had something to do with the difference between motivation and manipulation. One of the things that you're incredible at is motivating people, and you know that. Anybody that's been around you knows, man, you can motivate people. And it doesn't matter if it's working out, it doesn't matter if it's in your medical practice to seek care, it doesn't matter if it's a teammate here in our teams, you're a tremendous motivator. So how do you do that, and what is the difference? I, I wanna hear that answer, I don't wanna yeah. miss that. What is the difference between motivation and manipulation? And, and, and start with, with maybe, I guess, how do you motivate people? And, and, and in motivating them, how do you not manipulate them? I'm yes. curious how you do that. You know, and, and I thank you for asking that. And I hadn't really separated those till I heard it, right? And then I'm yeah, like, ooh. Right. And I would say I have done um, my share of manipulating unintentionally, mm -hmm. right? Where I have wanted really someone to, to take my view. And I've said, okay, I'm gonna say what I need to say to get them to do what I need them to do. And it's not, intentionally, it's more subconsciously like for the greater good. But mm -hmm. this really brought it home to say, motivation is to get someone to do something for our benefit and their benefit. Mm -hmm. Manipulation is to get them to do something for my benefit. Oh, and so yeah, that's where that was, you know, really, really yeah. subtly very cool for me. But I think for me, if I'm, if I'm thinking about it, if I am, if I'm tied into our vision, if I believe in it, if I know what we're wanting to do and I can understand what the 
people that work with us on a team are, and I know how their service is so beautifully enabling us to get our vision, if I can help them see that and then help them through their, what I call their key values, what's important to them? Is it family? Is it time off? Is it money? Is it travel? If I know that and I can connect their key values with our mission and how they win and we win, yes. that's been my, my favorite thing. Plus just bringing great energy. Like I wanna yeah. bring energy to the party because I know that if, if I'm not careful, I can either raise their energy up Yes. Or if I don't intentionally bring myself, then I can let my energy go. And what way is better for me to live my life? High energy just works better for me. So right. I think it's just mutual gain for me if I can just love on these people and help them meet their goals and, and their dreams. Yes, and if I can sell so that cool. so they buy in, it's, it just works. That's so cool. I, it motivates me when I see people happy to be doing what they do. Because I, and you know this about me, um, I, you probably saw, I mean, I think this morning, I think I emailed you guys about 4.15 this morning. <laughs> um, something will get on my mind and I get energy and I get excited. And I guess you can, you can equilibrate that to motivated. Uh, and, and I love being around people who are, who are similar and they, and they do believe in that saying, you know, that rising tide raises all ships, right? Um, and the wonderful thing about working with you and a couple of our other leaders here and our entire team for that matter, is we have that, mm -hmm. we have that energy where there's a, Hey, we're helping a lot of people and, and we're doing a lot of great things for them to make their lives better. But we're also making each other's lives better and richer while being here. And, and, and going back to kind of how we started this, we're leaving a mark that really matters. We're actually doing something that matters. And when I start feeling the it matters and I see the reason it matters and I work around other people who see the reason it matters, it just feeds that motivation, it feeds that hunger, it feeds that, man, I can't be in bed another minute, I gotta get up and get working on this, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and that's cool, you've got, a, you've got a special way of doing that. And I, and I notice in, in, in the process of serving and me recognizing that, that characteristic in you, um, in service, we, we have purpose, right? And, and if you have purpose, then motivation comes a lot easier. And I think it's why here in our business, we don't lead with a, um, there's this way of leading that's kind of a stick. Do this and you get that, or do this or this happens. Yes. And we don't do that. We lead with this, um, here's why, here is your why. And then it just happens. Right. And that's so much more effective. It's so much more effective than if you don't do this, then, mm -hmm. or if you do that, then. I just find that form of leadership to not always be the best. I agree. Yeah. What characteristics have you instilled in the leadership team and that has trickled down all the attorneys? You know, I mean, we're a very special law firm in that we are one that at the leadership level is a mixture. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. It's not all attorneys, which most law firms are. Right. Um, you know, my background is in treating patients and in leadership skills. And Daniel's background is in finance and he's our CEO. And Randy's background is running multiple businesses and real estate and an attorney. Like we got all these things going yes. with the leadership team. How, how do you disseminate what you want and your vision for this beautiful practice that we have down through all of the levels, whether it's, you know, at the at the managerial level, at the paralegal level, how do you get that so that they get it? Like what makes us different makes us better? Yeah, um, wow. That's a huge question and my mind goes all kinds of directions on that. And, and, and I'll tell you that probably the ultimate answer is, is that there's not many directions to go and that's that I keep it simple. So you guys know the things that are my hot, hot button topics. Mm -hmm. Take poor care of a person. Don't show love, value, and ethics first and foremost before anything and you got a tiger on your hands, right? I don't have much for understanding in that area. I'm not mm -hmm. very patient in that area. If I see a team member do that, the reason I, I feel that way is because you guys are my family. This is my family. I spend a lot of time here. Um, I have my name on the buildings, my name on the advertisements. It's my face and I love people. I really love people and I really enjoy the richness of just just, you know, it's probably why we all have different backgrounds. If I enjoy the richness of all you guys, you guys are so rich as people. 
And all these people that we take care of, they have the same richness in a different way. They have some characteristics or some quality, something special about them that's a wow factor. And when we stop not to, or when we start by not celebrating people, we really start on the wrong foot because there's no other foot. We have to celebrate people. And so one of, one of in keeping it simple, mm -hmm. and what I infuse into leaders, which I believe was your question, is first and foremost, you better be one hell of a good person. And you better be good to people because that's one thing we can all get right. We can all get right. And I'll tell you something that helps me because I'm, listen, I'm not perfect. I struggle with, with many times with um, starting with a, a person first and others first approach. I'm human like everybody. But I'll tell you one thing that gets me off on the right foot all the time. Um, you know, for me, it's a prayer of gratitude every single day. I start with a prayer of gratitude, not with a asking, not with a wishing, not with a, you know, a begging or whatever. And it doesn't matter if you're a religious person or not, or you have a certain belief or not. Gratitude is not religion. Yes. Gratitude. What are you thankful for? There's so much to be thankful for. And I literally, I guess I've made it a habit and I don't know where it started or I was just, I, I think that's what it was. I can't even remember when it started. I'm truly thankful from the minute I get up. I'm just, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for the day. Um, you know, my wife would tell you, I, I'm not one of these guys that wakes up grumpy. I wake up happy. I'm always excited about something. I'm just, but that starts with thanks. It starts with gratitude. So I'm, I'm curious, I, I would pass the same question back to you. As you've seen me as a leader to our leaders, um, what would you say is something that you see? Because I may be portraying something to you that I don't even realize. Right? right, yes. So, so that's one thing I would ask you this. The first question is, what do you see as me as a leader in a way that's either helped or not helped you? That'd be question one. And question two is, what do you do as a leader to infuse into the people you're leading in our organization that now has obviously grown substantially? Yes, so the first thing is, I love your question about what I see in you because that in my mind is one of the largest pieces of a true engaged leader of caring what other people think because there are leaders out there that say it's all about me they're a leader by title and they're a leader by maybe their actions on how they produce but they don't really connect with a lot of people right and so just the fact that you would ask that question shows in itself one of those things that i love about you because you want feedback mm -hmm. in my mind the best leaders are the ones that want feedback this Maxwell podcast, one of the very first ones I listened to that started a couple of years ago was on blind spots. Hmm. And it was really powerful for me because we expect our leaders oftentimes to be impervious to pain, never make mistakes, always know what's three steps ahead playing chess when everyone yes. else playing checkers. <laughs> right. But we're not like that, mm -hmm. right? No leader is. We, I mean, some of us have more gifts in certain areas, like you are really able to future pace and see where things are going. And I think that makes a tremendous leader. If you can see potential of where, where things could go one way or another. Um, a quick example of that is in our FitMD business together. Yes. You saw monoclonal antibodies were coming mm -hmm. and that they were gonna be needed to save lives from COVID. And we positioned ourselves to be able to, to do that for folks because not everybody could. Right. And we were perfectly set up for it. So. You know, then we have this fabulous team that executed yes. on that vision. So we got to hundreds and hundreds of patients. Yes. And how many testimonials did we get? Right. Changed my life. You saved my life. Thank you so much because Incredible. of your vision to see what was mm. next around mm. the corner. So that's a big skill. You've done it in the law firm by saying, you know what? Let's look at this particular division. In our case, aviation. Right. You knew that there are people that need to be served and there was a person who's a specialist and that it would just be best if we had Arnim because you're a pilot and you love to fly and you have that identity and this person could also help with pilot certificate defense and all these things, airplane yes. crashes. And you saw that this is something that would help our business be more stable. Yes. We have an incredible company, but you're always looking at the future. That makes a great leader. Mm. I see that in you. Mm. I see the fact that you want feedback and you welcome it. You don't want yes men around you. Not you want all. people that will share with you. And the other thing that I love, so I'm going to keep it at three. I could go <laughs> on and on. But the third thing that I have always admired is your ability to make a decision. It might not always be the right one, right? right. If you're good, as many decisions as leaders and top shelf companies make, 
you can't bat a thousand. Nobody right. can. Right. And so no that way. would be foolish to put that expectation on the leader or on yourself. But the fact that we see you not afraid to make decisions, not afraid to invest in us, not afraid to invest in the company and to live with the consequences, to me, when you combine those three together, those are the three things that I see in wow. you that are, are amazing. Well, thank you. That, that, those are, that's, that's a real compliment. And it's interesting to learn that on a podcast, right? Because this is not the type of things we sit and talk about. Right. Right. Yeah, okay, we why do you, what, what's the thing about my leaders? You know, we, don't, we don't do that. So I, I find that, um, you know, very, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's humbling. It's, um, it's kind. Uh, I'm appreciative of, of those words you've said. There was something that you said at the end there that I wanted to touch on. Um, because I think it's really important for leaders. You said you don't want yes men around you and you want to um, hear when you, you know, maybe did wrong or could have done better. I think that that's such an important, um, such an important point. And the reason is I think that one of the downfalls to organizations and, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this is something I have perfect, mm -hmm. but it's something I really try to work on is ego. It's a downfall to people. It's a downfall to businesses and it's a downfall to an organization because when people do well, they want to be recognized and they want a pat on the back. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the problem is, is that when your leaders always want to be recognized or always want to be patted on the back, um, they become the focus of the organization rather than the organization. They're supposed to be there for it. Yes. They're supposed to be there supporting it. And if anything, they should be lifting others up. Giving that credit. Yes. Get that, let, you know, let them get the pat on the back. Don't have to say what you did to get them there. Mm -hmm. And the minute that you do, you can never take it back and you can never get it back. And everything that's happened loses its traction, loses its momentum. I think it's ego. I think that's the word for it. That's a little bit of a hard word um, or harsh, you know, because we all look at, you know, he's got a big ego, you hear these kind of things. But, <laughs> but um, I really think that that's one of the things that um, in hearing and in listening, you really have to, um, you have to put the ego in check because when you hear and listen, the biggest mistake that leaders make are make excuses. Ooh, they hear and they listen. You come to me with something and you tell me, hey, I think this could be different. If I give you a ball, a ball of excuses, I've just lost credibility. I've lost, I'm, I'm just not being a good leader. I should be able to hear, I should be able to reflect and it shouldn't take an excuse. That's brilliant, period. You know, the, so what I hear you saying there is the biggest mistakes leaders make, one of them anyway, is making excuses. Oh, absolutely. Not owning, and that goes back to um, this blind spot thing that I heard mm. about, you know, in that early Maxwell podcast of what are your blind spots? And so we held a meeting, there were five of us in the meeting and you were not there, you were um, away on a trip. And so we pulled the five of us together back in the Wheat Ridge office. And I said, guys, here's the thing. All of us have blind spots. And if you don't have, think you have a blind spot, that is your blind spot. <laughs> you know, if you think exactly. that you're all good, yes. you're missing it. That's yes. your blind spot. So we went around the room and we asked each other to look at. So I said, look, I need to know what I can't see. A blind spot is something you can't see. So tell me what it is where I can improve because I might not see it. So we got to go through this and I found that to be a great exercise for me. Wow. And it, you know what else? Why? Some of the people on that team Back then it was Maricel, Megan, Joanne, Brian, and I were the five in that room. Wow. And there were a couple of those people after that meeting that cried. And the reason that they cried, it wasn't because we shared with them what their blind spots were. It was exactly the opposite. It was that, that we cared enough to say, tell me where I can get better. Mm. And that they felt that there was a, a dropping of the guard and opening of the heart and the soul and the mind to say, I want to do better. Wow. Right? Yeah. So That's that was awesome. powerful. So that blind spot. And well, you see the blind spot. There's something that just struck me that I have to interject here because if I was John Maxwell and I was talking about blind spots, you know, one thing I would have used as part of that analogy, um, and I think this is, it goes to a leadership characteristic and it goes to blind spots. It fits perfect with this. And that is uh, another mark of leadership um, that I think is really important is, um, and it goes with the blind spot thing, it's looking in the rearview mirror. You know, if you mm. looked in your rearview mirror, you look in your side mirror, there's a blind spot. You drive another, we've all seen the blind spot. We've almost run somebody off the road, right? There's a blind spot. And it goes hand in hand with that. I really struggle with leaders who are backseat drivers because in their blind spot, so to say, they're looking in the rearview mirror. In other words, what they do is they take a fellow worker, 
and they look at the result of what they did and then they want to talk about it. He missed this. He didn't do this. He could have done that better, right? And there's a massive blind spot in doing that to your coworkers. If it's behind you, it's behind you. We're looking ahead. We're wow. looking ahead every single day with every single thing we do. Does it mean we can't learn from what's in the past? No, mm -hmm. we can absolutely learn from what's in the past. But when you have a leader that wants to focus on what you did prior that results in where you are now or what you did prior that you could have done better that would have put us in a better position now, that person starts to focus so much on their mirrors that there's this blind spot. Wow, create a blind and spot. And they're, gonna, and they're gonna crunch into somebody ahead of them. And um, that's a, a thing with leadership. I think you have to, and again, I'm not perfect in this way. I like to learn from the past, but the key is, is learn from the past, but immediately move on. Immediately move on, don't hang on to it. And I think that um, effective leaders understand the fine line between the two. How do you coach and improve and make, and actually let me ask you this as a question. How do you coach, improve, and make people better by learning from your past without focusing on it? I think what would for, you say? for me, the way that I do that is, you know, and again, for leaders, they all have to understand their leadership style. I have the opportunity, you've entrusted me and you put the expectation on me to develop leaders in this company. Yes. And so I have chosen four people at different levels of the organization that I am spending time with one-on-one -on -one every other week and I gave them a specific list of questions. And wow. one of those questions that I asked them in person and I don't have them fill out before they meet with me is, what style of leader are you? Because a lot of people don't know. And I wanna vet that out and help them understand it. Yes. And then what style of leader do you want to be? Maybe they see someone that they're like, man, who would you consider a great leader? That person. Okay, now we find the true question, what's <laughs> the gap? What's the gap between where you are or who you see yourself now is who you want to be. Because if you're a leader and you're going to make a true impact, let's find those weaknesses or not, not even the weaknesses, just what's in the gap yeah. between here and there. And let's right. focus on that. Right. And in that now to answer your question. So if I take that as the, the foundation, if someone messes up, I want to know what they learned from it. Mm. And, and I don't want people to fear messing up or failing, and I use air quotes there because yes. failure is only failure if we either A, don't get up, or B, don't learn from it, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Otherwise, Absolutely. it's a school lesson. And all I ask them is, look, before you make a decision, I, at first, I want you to come to me if it's a big decision, so you get to know how I think, which is exactly what you did for me. Yes, You said, yes. I wanna spend time with you, and I wanna share with you how I think. Once you know how I think, then go do. Less, yeah. less talk, more do, yes. and then we'll evaluate. And so I've taken that now in my style and I've said to, to folks, look, if your worst, if your decision, the worst case is the business could fold, then don't make it, right? That's yeah. too big a cost for where you're at. Only Dr. Ramos gets to make those decisions. <laughs> if, it's, yeah. if, it's, if we're not gonna get killed by it, then we can learn from it. And if we weigh it out and you see that it's best based on our strategy, and our metrics, which we can go into, yes. then make the decision and go for it. And so if it fails, quote unquote again, I'm gonna say, so what happened? And why do you think it happened? Okay, so what's the process that we move forward from here? Mm -hmm. And as long, and then to know that they have my support, yes, that's everything. I'll tell you one of the biggest, I was talking to Ian, and Ian is the director of culture, for those of you that don't know, helps in marketing all around, an incredible human Great being. Great person. And his number one job, which I credit you so much for, this is one of those visionary things that you had, because no, no other law firm that I know has a culture officer <laughs> designed to help the place be where yeah. people want to work, right? Yeah. So Ian and I were talking yesterday, and we had two employees in the last, well, I'll just say six months, just to keep it general. Mm -hmm. In last six months where one was new and one was not. And they had to work closely together and they literally couldn't understand each other's style. Hmm. And so this was a, let's just call it, to, to bring this back, yeah. let's call it a, a failure. Okay. In that one of them was gonna quit or I was gonna fire both of them. <laughs> because it was just, <laughs> you it, just every, day, every day there was just conflict yes. and there was drama. And so I told Ian, I said, look it, first, um, we're, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pull them individually because each one of them had come to me and said, I'm having a hard time with such and such. I'm having a hard time with such and such. Okay, so I said, now we're gonna pull them individually and then we're gonna watch and see what happens for one week. And if it doesn't improve, we're gonna call them together, together. Yeah. And so it didn't improve, this and that. 
So then I said, Ian, you and I are gonna do this together. So we went into a conference room. We yeah, have formal conference rooms and informal conference rooms. Yep. So knowing your environment, we didn't want it to be formal. We put it in informal fireplaces going, chairs knee to knee, set them across from each other intentionally so they have to look at each other. And then we start going through the process. And I will tell you, wow. And this is the beautiful thing. You didn't have to do all this. Wow. None of this was, yeah. you know, you're running our company, mm. but those people run our company every single day. So it yes. was vital for me. And so we put them in there and through, it took us an hour and a half. They stayed late after work. They invested. And now those two are a pair, their partnership. And I will tell <laughs> you, is it so is great. one of the things I'm most proud of in the last six years. Wow. As, as be, if I could put something on my resume, <laughs> you'd put that, that would be that. <laughs> that's so, so cool. So those finding common ground with people, to me, that's a big leadership thing and, and helping well, them. You know, you just said several things uh, regarding leadership there through the course of what you just said that I just want to stop and just, just make them little short bullet points because they're so critical. You know, the first one you said very early on was, you take the time to stop and lead, and you, you, I think you said you're leading four people right now in different sessions, all the time to try to make them better. You picked out four people, you're investing in them, you invest in our whole company, but you've taken these four people that you want special leadership skills in, and you're investing in them that teach and to help and to mentor them along. And man, that's service. That is service, that's awesome. The second thing uh, that I like is uh, you said, you know, there's this problem using the most recent thing we just talked about in the firm. And you didn't, um, you made a decision, but you didn't jump to a hasty decision. You stopped and you reflected and you heard and you listened. What is the difference? And you identified two people from two different areas and two different styles, right? Neither one of them a bad person. Mm -hmm. And then what'd you do? You invested again, gave of yourself again uh, to lift somebody else up, right? That's really the underlying purpose here. You're, you're lifting them up there. Uh, and then, and then, to take people and to realize the importance of face-to-face -face person. First, allowing them the opportunity to individually solve their problem. Second of all, you know, infusing into each of them individually. And then having the, the leadership qualities to bring them together face-to-face, -face, even how you went down to sitting them in the office, even to, or into the conference room, even the conference room you chose. And for those of you listening, um, we have these conference rooms, the formal part is that, you know, tables and chairs and microphones and stuff, in our, and we have multiple of those. And then we have informal conference rooms that are fireplaces and there's no table in the middle. There's a coffee table, everybody's feet are kind of in the same area that the chairs face each other. There's a lot of light that comes into those rooms. And, um, even all the way down to picking the environment that you put them in. And, and you know, you didn't give up on them. You put people first, right? You were not going to give up on them until you took every possible step you could to find the richness in that person. And man, you just summed up what it's all about for me. You summed up what gets me out of bed, um, what keeps me going. I love when people lift up people. And, and again, not to toot the Ramos law horn here, but that's why I love the practice of law. That's, that's why I went into it. Hmm. I saw a deficit there. I saw this image of ambulance chasing. I saw this image of people being clients, not people, being cases, not people. Um, uh, and when, when I started finding out how I was going to, to make this what it was meant to be, because lawyers do great things for people. And, but it, I just didn't see that. And when I, when, um, when I started assembling people around me that I thought would have the same vision, you as one of the earliest people, really, um, you were here very early on in our growth and have seen this you know, machine now, right, turn into this, this monster. We've kept it centered on people. Yes. And it's because what we've done is we've done exactly what you did with those two people. And we've done this through this whole organization of probably over 100 people now. Right, and and we, now we've got people around us doing that, and we're lifting people up. And now by lifting people up, we can talk about our organization that's that's so big, or we can talk about the population of people we've affected. Right. Imagine that. Yes. Well, we're in here talking right now. We have a team out there who's already touched fifty lives today. You know, <laughs> so beautiful. That's cool, right? That is amazing. Yeah, and that that's that that gets me up. Man, that is gorgeous. I love that so much. It's like a sunset for me, right? Or sunrise, because <laughs> we get up we early. You and yes, I get up early. Yes, we do. I want to switch now, because so far the entire podcast, all 35 minutes wow. of it so far, right. has been on leadership style that some people would call soft skills of leadership. And I think mm -hmm. they are the foundation, just like you. I think they're the foundation. 
I wanna talk about more of the, now the leader on the business side. You and I have talked many times about metrics, specifically lead measures, lag measures. Can you define those and what part you think they play in a business and how should a business even go about or a leader go about determining what's important? Yeah, so so first of all, uh, lead measures and lag measures. Um, you know, to me, the simple analogy of that is, is kind of like weight loss, right? Um, you know, you, you, you get this plan together and you have this idea and you have something you want, you want to lose weight. And then what you do is uh, you start trying to do these things, then you're always looking at a scale to see what you've done. So you're, you're, you're basically going to the end of your result and then you're looking back and critiquing why you are where you are. How many people do you know do that, right? They, right. they get on the scale and they feel failure. They get on the scale and they look back and they wonder what they did and how they did. And I, th I think um, in an organization, if we start looking, you can see the end result you want, but you work towards it. You don't get to it and then look back. And it gets to that review mirror. What we were just talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I think one of the things that we focused on here at Ramos Law is really looking ahead um, and it gives us something to be excited about all of the time. Yeah. And we say, where do we want to be? And what measures would affect that? What things will affect that? And then we start with, with looking ahead at all the things that we can do. And we drive it from, from multiple perspectives, from multiple people with multiple skills. And so we're never really looking back. We're always, look, we're always looking ahead. And uh, so to give an example of that, um, if we here in the, our law firm decide that we want to grow a successful aviation division, we don't go, okay, successful aviation division takes care of pilots and we're gonna um, run an ad and we're gonna start seeing how many pilots we help. We start with the, with the lead measures. Well, why would, you, why would you help pilots? What does that do? Where does that make the world better? What's the need there and why? And then we identify factors that we can do that would help them. And then we start instituting those factors. And, and then before we know it, we're helping a whole, a whole population of pilots, right? Yes. Because we, didn't, we, 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 don't, we don't get there and then look back. I, I, I don't, I'm not explaining it very well, but um, it's all about looking forward, not looking back. That's, that's just a, real, a, a simple way to yeah. look at leading and lagging measures. And I think, unfortunately, we're trained to look back. Yes. We're trained to look at the scale and see, did we lose weight or not? So good. Not, you, you know, you know I, I look at exactly what you said in my interpretation and how I implement lead and lag yeah. is terms that I learned from actually a sports. I was listed, I, as you know, I listed to tons of sports talk. That's yes. basically what I have on all day in the background <laughs> as I'm doing whatever I'm doing. And there was this guy, his name is Rick Perea, and he's a, um, he was a former CU football player, and then he became a sports performance kind of psychologist guy. So he works on people getting them in the zone and all that. And I heard this term from him, because I had used lead and lag measures you know, for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he used a term that really resonated. That's the same thing called process goals and outcome goals. So mm. outcome goals is how much weight are we gonna lose? We're gonna lose 50 pounds. The process goals, what things do I have to do to get there? And oh, guess what, well I control every process goal. Yes. I don't control the outcome goal of yes. losing 50 pounds. But if I define my process goals, I work out five days a week, I drink 80 ounces of water a day, I have calorie count of this, I do this, I control those. And so that takes care of the outcome. And if it doesn't right. in a given period of time, the time's not long enough, the steps aren't right, or I'm not, ap uh, I'm not correctly implementing the steps that I have. Yeah. So that to me has been so beautiful with lead and lag measures. That, that's so well said. Um, that was what I was trying to explain, process goals. The process goals are so important, and it, and it actually, you know, leads to some of the things that we do. If you ever focus on a, on a lag measure um, or an outcome measure, it should be done this way, in my opinion. It should be, it should be gamified. Yes. And we do that here. I it's love the that. last of our core values, right? Have fun, right? Yes. So how do we have fun? You know, we have these, these if you want to call them lag measures or outcome goals, and we, and, and we put them up and we make them a competition almost. We have fun getting there. It takes us back to our process. And if we work our process right, we hit them or we exceed them or we set new ones. But when you gamify things, when you use as, as performance indicators, when you use, uh, when you find markers in your business that are important towards success, whatever they may be, 
if you make a game of that, if you have fun with that, this all becomes such a tremendous challenge. And the yes. whole time, really what you're doing is you're working on the process. Yes, and people love games, right? Yeah. They love, some people love to compete, some people love to play. And yes. knowing your players, I think as a leader, that's a big thing, don't you, is knowing like yes. you know me yes. and you know what motivates me and how you, to how to talk with me when I'm winning. And if I get mucked up, you know how to talk with me that's different than you would talk to maybe Daniel or Megan or fill right. in the blank, right? And so some people like, do you remember in, you played tons of sports, you were super good at sports, I played sports. And there was a captain my senior year, I was captain and this other kid was captain. We had three captains. And one of us, like I was the guy, you know, super just chill until we got between the lines. And then a new person came out and that was the <laughs> athlete in the moment. And, right. and what those guys could tell me, they could, you know, they could get after me. My coaches could get after me. Come on, Hovind, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This other kid, if they did the same to him, he would melt down. He couldn't take that oh, kind of coaching. So yes. he, he had to be taught or handled, we'll put handled a different way to get him to give his best. Otherwise he would feel defeated and he would feel like he was worthless in, in a football sense. Right. And he wouldn't perform. Have you noticed that too in, oh. in dealing with it? Because you do it with me. I see the way that you handle Absolutely. me versus other team members. You have a consistent way of loving, but if when fierce conversations need to be had, you talk with different people different is that fair well, to say yeah so uh, absolutely um you absolutely have to know your audience right uh it's it's we've all been present in a social situation when somebody makes an inappropriate joke and it almost like how can they say that <laughs> right right or uh yeah and, and it's the same thing in a one-on-one -on -one. um you have to know your audience and um and knowing your audience knowing your leaders knowing um who they're leading depending on uh, who you're talking with, it doesn't mean you change what your goals are or that you change what you think. Then you're a weak leader. Yeah. You, you, you have to have an opinions and direction. You have to know what that is. But that can be presented in many ways with somebody. If I have a, you know, a goal to run a mile and I'm going to you know, teach a bunch of kids to run a mile, not all of them are going to respond to, hey, get your ass in gear. Yeah. Get running. Yes. Right? Some of them might respond to, man, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. You're crushing it. I had no idea you could run this well. And then they start to run better. Uh, some of the other ones may have the, you know, yeah, all these guys are weak and, you know, coach is weak. So you're not pushing me. That's a kid that minded, hey, so that's fast. You run, man, get your ass in gear. Yes. Right? And, and when you know your audience like that, you still have the same outcome. You run a mile. You run as fast as you can. But now you're leading them to get there in the best possible way. So I definitely do that when I when I interact with you guys and with our team. I try to know who my audience is. Now, that being said, um, a really critical aspect to leadership is, uh, and you said it earlier in a way that was kind of a kind way, I think. You said, I, I can make decisions. Well, I can make decisions, but I can also make hard decisions. Yes. Big difference, isn't there? <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a big difference in making hard decisions. It's really hard to look at somebody you love and care for and say, you're not meeting what I expect. It's very hard to look to, at someone that you love and care for and say, you could have done better. It's very hard to look at someone that you love and care for and say, I wouldn't have done that. You didn't represent me well in that. Now, of course, how you present that may not be those exact words. Yeah. You find out who that person is and what you expected of them. And, and you know in your mind where you wanna get them and you know in their mind how they will receive your comments but the ultimate uh, making the hard decision is you have to be honest. You have to be straightforward. They can never wonder where you're coming from. The minute that someone that you're leading doesn't trust you, the minute that they think that, you know, are you telling me this and him that? Uh, can you really look me in the eyes and say, can I believe anything you say? The minute you've lost that trust, you've lost everything. So one thing I've always done, and you, you know this firsthand, um, you know, I'm, I'm complimentary and I'm proud and I'm whatever, but I also have a direction that I want us to be. And you guys know if I'm happy with that direction or if I'm not, and you know why. And I've done that, I, I do that with my, with my kids even. Um, with my kids, I, I've always made sure, it's probably something I didn't get as a kid. I always made sure that every time I disciplined my kids, I told them why. I told them exactly why I disciplined them, told them what I expected differently, and I told them I loved them. Yes. And I try to do that here in my leadership with you guys, because if not, you can't wonder 
if you can trust what I'm telling you or what I'm saying. You can't wonder if I'm really telling you, how, what do I think of the job you did? If you think, ah, he kind of tells us all we do a good job. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I've told you when you don't. Yep. And um, I hope every leader here feels that way. And I hope they do that with the people that they're around. Because when you build that trust and you build that rapport, you know, that's really, that's family, right? Right. That, and, and that then builds purpose. And then purpose builds really something that's, you know, really why we're all that's here. beautiful. So. Two things. One, as I just want to um, go into a concept that you hit that now just flashed into my mind. And I was just sharing it with some of the people that I told you, part of my four. I did two of them yesterday. <laughs> and I was just thinking about them. And I always talk about this, the bank account of trust and love. Mm. The bank account of trust and love. Every relationship really? has one, every single one. And so the more deposits you make in an account, the higher the balance. Mm. So when something comes out and you have to have a fierce conversation with someone or you make a mistake in that relationship, one person makes a mistake, that's a withdrawal. Well, if you've put enough deposits in those withdrawals, everybody knows there's still plenty of a balance in there. But oh. if you don't put the deposits in well, that's great. and then it's a withdrawal, that bank account can go bust. That is so great. That's such a great analogy. You know, it's funny, we work together so much and um, I don't think I've ever heard you use that explanation before. Mm. Um, but see, that's how you're leading, the people that you're leading, right? And I love that. That, it really is a bank account of deposits and withdrawals. And if you, if you over withdraw, um, obviously you lose that trust. Yes. Now this, and I know, man, I could go for hours and I know you're busy. I want to talk about, this is super important. You alluded to it on making the tough decisions. And I remember one of the things that you told me after my first year, man, you're doing a great job. I need you to make tough decisions now. You're great at people loving on you. You're great at making people feel loved. And now I need you to start making tougher and tougher decisions. Yes. And, um, how do you, for the, for the leaders out there and for myself, I want to continue to get better at this. How do you consider a tough decision? What, what do you have a process that you go through to go, okay, if the decision is going to be tough, I need to look at these things or do you go use your gut or do you, how far do you analyze it before you make it? What would be considered a tough decision? So I, I, you know, it might be disappointing to hear, but I, I don't have a detailed process. It's, it's simple. And I like to keep things simple because yep. to me, it's just how life needs to be. It just needs to be simple. And um, whenever there's something that happens that obviously ends up being a problem, so now there's a tough decision to be made, right? What do we do about this problem? What I normally do is the first simple step is what's our core values? Where do we come from? What do we stand for? Um, However you want to word that. What do you stand for? Where we, you know, what is the big meaning to why you do what you do? And how did this vary from that? That's usually why there's a problem, right off the bat. And then the second thing is, how was it handled that was off base from your core? So very simple step. What do I believe? What do I believe and why? How is this different from what I believe and why? And then the third step, and I think this is really, really, really critical. You have to listen. And the hardest thing for people to do in a conversation is not be thinking about what they're gonna say as the other person's talking. Yes. It's the hardest thing. The person's talking and you're already thinking of an answer. You're already thinking of a, of a direction. You're already thinking about something else. And you just need to sit and listen. Man, I struggle with that. And I work on it and I work on it with you guys all the time when these situations come up. X happened, it's not in line with my core values or what I believe or think. What was it and why is it off of those values? And now I listen. Okay, what was your reason for making that decision? Why did, what were you thinking? Because what I sometimes find on the third step of that analysis, you actually did have our core values in line. You did have what we stand for in line. And you just you know, just missed the mark on this particular decision. And then I find a place there then I can teach. That's where you've heard me say to you, okay, listen, let me tell you how I'd handle that. Yes. I see how you did it, but now I want, you, I want you to hear how I would have handled it. And then we have a good outcome. Now we're both looking forward again. I know that you understand. First of all, I have a great comfort in my heart that you were with me all along. We were in the line. We were in, we didn't get the outcome we wanted the first time around. We will the second. Because I just had to stop and listen. And then I listened, oh, I see. Now I understand why I would do that. Okay, that wasn't bad thinking. But don't do it again. Right. And here's what I, you know. And, and so that third step, that really digest what the other person was thinking and why. And what you'll find is many times people are closest to you that you're equally yoked with, 
you won't be much off. It won't be this big disparity you thought it was. You're not dealing with the Grand Canyon anymore. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with a little ditch you can step over. And it just takes all that heat and all that fire out of, out of things that maybe haven't went how you want them to go. And, and here's the other thing about it. In doing this process, you're also gonna find people you completely don't align with. And I think that a really important thing there is just to, when you, when you don't align with someone, this gets down to make a decision, um, you have to solve that early on. And what that means is probably a better home for them or a better home for you, a better role for them or a better role for you. You don't, don't force, you know, the old saying, right? The square nail into round holes, <laughs> right? And we don't do that here. We just don't do that here. If we have a great disparity from how somebody thinks, what their values are and why they made a decision. And if we get to that, let me ask and listen question, and we still don't get it, we've got some hard decisions to make. Because one thing we don't do is we don't sway from our values, period, zero. We just don't sway from them because the minute that we do, we've lost everything. I, let, me, let me give you one analogy of that that's totally off topic, but it'll, it'll, I heard it and it made a lot of sense to me. Why don't we have corruption in our police here like they do in Mexico, where they pull you over and they say, hey, give me a hundred bucks, you were speeding. Hey, you, you ran that stop sign back there, you know, empty your pockets. They have that in Mexico. Everybody yes. knows it. It's happened to me. Yeah, <laughs> it happened to me. And, and, and so why don't we have that here? And how did it start down there? Well, here's the answer. Every time that there's a deviation um, in this area, and I'm, we're not gonna do a whole police topic here and stuff, right. but in this area of why is there corruption amongst police like that? Like pull me over and give me a hundred bucks. Every time that there's been anything like that where police have gotten caught up in rings, like drug rings, or there's that, there is a zero tolerance policy. It's like if you get 20 years in prison, you're lucky it wasn't life. There is zero tolerance. The penalty is so harsh. The decision is so severe. If you're operating under the, you know, the color of office, it's so severe that that spreads amongst the police and they just don't do it. Right. You won't get pulled over in the U.S. and ask for a hundred dollar bill. Get pulled over in Mexico five times, you're going to ask two and a half times. Right. And we have instilled this no tolerance here in that way by saying you you think entirely different than what we do. If we allowed that to happen here, it would undermine our whole justice system. What would then start to happen here? We would very quickly become a third world country. If you had that level of corruption, right? There's already corruption. We know that in government and different things. Right. But if you had that level of corruption, we would not be in the United States that we're in today. And uh, it's the same in an organization, taking that back full scale to, to leadership. When, when somebody violates a policy, that's so adverse to what you think, to where your values are, to where your heart is, to what your meaning is, to what your purpose is, to what you're serving. When somebody violates that, there has to be a no tolerance policy. It has to be, listen, we are not equally yoked and we are not meant to be together. We're not, meant, we're not working towards the same purpose. We are so far off, I didn't understand your explanation. Not even a little. Now, thankfully that rarely happens. Right. But it needs to be looked at that way. Yeah because um, the minute we lose that integrity, then we've lost everything. So that's a really tough decision in a tough area. Mm -hmm. I wanna know now, now another type of tough decision is when to grow. What's the risk? How do you, because I, you have an incredible business mind, incredible business um, ethos about you. You're involved in lots of things, very successful things. And there's some things I'm sure that haven't gone as well as you'd liked or maybe even failed. Right. But when it comes to taking a risk, a big business risk or a big risk, that's a big decision too. Is there a process that you work your mind through to decide if you, if you go all in on that thing or not, or if you back away? There is, and this gets a little bit more um, uh, detailed and I'll try to keep it, um, I'll try to keep it fairly simple. So what I do is um, I, I do basically a risk benefit analysis right, on anything. So if you want to use a business thing. So let's take this away from employees and staff and values and leadership, just a touch. Uh, because you, you get my gist of where I'm on, on those leadership things in any of the businesses. Yes. Go to just the business itself and making a hard decision. Um, a risk benefit analysis involves um, knowing what you do and what you do well, knowing what others do and others do well. What is, the, what is the competition out there? What is the worst thing that could happen and what is the best thing that could happen? And if you put all that together, and again, I'm simplifying this, if you put all that together, usually you lean left or right of middle, just slightly. 
if I did all of these things right, I would have to come over X, Y, and overcome X, Y, and Z, and the reward or the outcome could be this. And normally you'll go, hmm, I don't know if that's good enough or not. And then usually what I do is I stop and I go, okay, well, of the what's out there, because you have to look what's out there when you jump into business. I don't care if you're jumping into mini storages or buying buildings or buying raw land. Uh, what's out there? What are people doing with it? Where's it going? Um, you know, is there competition in that area? What is that competition? And then you look at then you look at what can you do better. So you know you know this from working with me here. I'm always looking at what can we be doing better. I don't get too locked up in you know if everybody's buying commercial land. I think it's just commercial land. I don't go oh it must be commercial land. I go hmm. What if I can change the zoning? What if I can make it ag land? What if I can make it this? What would that do to me tax-wise? How can I gain an edge there? And so then I look at this, at the, the big decision, as you've called it, and I say, is there a way that I can improve it so I'm not like the rest of the sheep out there? Can I take this particular item and make it better? Is there something that others haven't looked at because they're caught into just status quo? And normally I'll either see a great opportunity or I'll say, gosh, there's not much I can change. Then I then and then the last thing is is well how would how would I compete there how would I make that successful um, what have other people done to make it successful that I could improve on because now you're working on improving something not innovating something and and by the time I get done with that I normally have a really good feeling on a business investment for example if it's good or bad I have a really good feeling on um, on the likelihood of success or the likelihood of failure. And then inevitably when you get in and you do fail, you, you go, ah, man, I didn't think about that when I was doing it. And but I write all this down. I'm, today I'm, I'm generalizing, but I write all this down. You know, I usually take a piece of paper and I'll kind of write down all of my, my points, positive and negative. You have to be very honest with yourself, naked honest with yourself. The minute you don't do that, you know, you don't lie to yourself to fail, right? So, <laughs> don't lie to yourself to fail. That's a great quote. Yes, yeah, so, Mark so, that down. So I, I, I write it all down and then, um, and then normally, I, 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 my needle starts to, it's not just slightly left or right of center, it's usually going all the way right, like this is green light go, or all the way left, like, hey, I better reconsider this. And that's kind of the process I use. And then what I've done is I look at other t times I've failed uh, doing that, and, um, and you always learn from those lessons. There's always something that applies from a prior lesson, no matter what it was. I mean, you can stretch it from real estate to the law firm office. There's something that will apply that you go, hmm. I remember when I didn't consider that. I remember when I didn't do that. I remember, you know, and it will apply to what you're to, to the the thing you're focusing on. And so, you know, there is there's a lot of wisdom in learning from from past mistakes, and and I've made plenty of those. I'll tell you, I've made a lot of those. And and then and I would say the, then the last, the very last part to all of that. Uh, and real quick, I want to say one thing that um, that got me kind of doing this write down thing. So how I used to write papers in college. You know, papers are a daunting task. Yes. Right. And I can tell you this will change your ability to write a paper. If you take, because getting started is hard, and then writing is hard, and then organizing is hard, and then whatever. But I would just start writing down words. The topic could be, you know, gun control in America. And I just start writing down words all over the paper. And it would get really fun because I'd write them sideways and left and right and middle, and I'd write them everywhere. And then, norm, and then what I would do is I would take another piece of paper and I'd start grouping these words, any word that comes to mind goes on the paper. Doesn't matter what you think. It's nine millimeter, okay, write it down. Uh, fair, write it down. Uh, death, write it down. You just write down words. Then what you do is you group all those words into uh, kind of like words, like areas. And normally those words will start to form you a paragraph. They'll start to form you a page. They'll start wow. to form you a topic. And I would write my papers this way and I would crush it. And that's kind of what you do in business decisions. You kind of do all that process I just talked about and you gotta put it down and you put it on paper and then the paragraphs start to lay out. The ideas start to lay out, and the direction starts to lay out, and um, and then it goes. Over. And then and then here's the here's the final step to that, and then I'll end. Um, gets back to the thing we've already said. Got to make a decision. Most people who have not hit it out of the park, if you talk to them, they'll tell you about two or three times they could have. They'll tell you about two or three times that things were presented to them. Two or three times they saw something or they thought about something. But you know what the only difference between them and, and me or somebody who maybe did hit out of the park on that? I did it. Yes. I made the decision. I took the risk. I went all in. And when you do that, when you go all in, yeah, you can lose it all, but you can win it all, right? And um, <laughs> my dad used to tell me we were hunting. Oh God, I hate to bring this up, but <laughs> I used to ask my dad, we'd be hunting and I'd see a deer over there. And I'm like, 
Dad, do you think I, I should shoot? He'd be like, well, I can tell you one thing. You can't hit him if you don't get lead in the air. <laughs> <laughs> that was always his answer. Lead in was, the air. It was always his answer. So by the time I was about 12, I already knew his answer. He didn't ask that question anymore. I got lead in the air, right? If he was looking at me, I was already shooting. And it's the same way in business. You got to shoot. You got to go for it. And if you're hearing this and if you've had your opportunities and they've been before you and you've never got lead in the air, you never went for it. Well, what do you expect the outcome to be? Are you surprised? Are you surprised that you haven't hit out of the park? Man, that's so good. I have one more question for yeah. you. I've thought so many. And okay. We've just been hit doing this off the hip. Like this could <laughs> go for a hip. long oh, time. Yeah, good, yeah. So I, I wrote this, this down. This is it. This is the last This question. is it. Okay. This is it. I mean, we go as long as you want, but I know you're busy. Um, you mentioned and you just talked about risk and getting led in the air and going for stuff. We've talked about the importance of how a team follows the leader and the vision. How do you go about casting a vision and then sharing that with the team to carry that vision forward? Because at the end of the day, our life is nothing but our vision. You know, like if we if we have a small vision, we got a small life. If we got a big vision. We may not hit the entire universal vision, but doggone, it's gonna be, it, what do they say? Shoot at the stars, hit the moon, something right, like that. Right, exactly. You dream and you envision as big as anyone I've ever met. Mm -hmm. and, I've been, and I've been the beneficiary of that. It's helped me to, to have a bigger vision and dream bigger. What advice would you have for folks when it comes to creating the vision for themselves, their company, their organization, their life? Well, um, that's a great way to end this because the first thing to creating vision or casting vision is come up with your vision, whatever it is. And you've heard me say this before, Jim, so to you this will be boring. You've heard me say this at talks. Um, and then magnify it times 100. Because the, if there's any one thing I've learned in life, it's how small we think. We think small about everything. We think small about from material things like the car we can drive or the house we can own uh, to, the, to the interest things like you know, um, how big you could build a practice or um, to the physical things, how good a shape you could be in. Um, we just think small. We just think small. And it doesn't matter. I could give you 10 more categories. Uh, I don't know why human nature is to think small. I think because there's self-doubt. I think because there's fear of failure. I think because there's um, maybe just a lack of, of, you know, what do you really hear about? Well, again, it goes back to the whole purpose thing. What do we really hear about? And what happens is we don't know many times. And so what we do to be safe is we cast these, these little small visions. We think they're big, but they're not big at all. So the very first thing to casting vision is come up with whatever your vision is. If, if it's to own you know, a franchise of you know, McDonald's and you want to own two of them and your first goal is to just be a franchise. So if that's your if that's your vision, you know, your vision should be to own a hundred McDonald's franchises and then to buy up McDonald's biggest competitor and own a hundred of those, right? Cast a big, big vision because we are capable of so much more than we think. Um, I remember when I started at the Air Force Academy, they would have us do push-ups, although you live doing push-ups at the Air Force Academy. Become <laughs> a push-up master. <laughs> And I remember thinking, you know, 20 or 25 push-ups was hard. I'm like, oh my gosh. And they'd be like, we're gonna do 300. Drop and do 300. I'd be like, 300? I can't do 20. <laughs> and you truly could not do 20. And by the time I left there, drop and do 300. Are you kidding me? Be done with that, like now, right? You know, <laughs> this is off topic or along those lines, a little bit off topic where we're going here, but I gotta say this. My kids were laughing at me Thanksgiving before last. We, we were somewhere in Rafe, my kid says, yeah, let's, let's do 50 push-ups. I whipped up 50 push-ups faster than any of those kids. And he's like, <laughs> he remembers it to this day. He's like, I cannot believe my dad in his 50s just ripped off 50 push-ups that quick. But see, I went in there for me thinking small on things like push-ups. This is just one small example in life, right? No, you're capable of hundreds of them nonstop. Capable. You just have to break those barriers in your mind. So when you cast a vision, break all barriers in your mind. Cast a massive vision. That's the first thing. The second thing is, is that when you start into your vision, um, do not go at it alone. Um, you know, for me, I don't go to anything without involving my faith, but I also don't go to any of my visions without involving my team. 
It, and well, you'll see this in the, I sent you an email this morning about 4.30 in the morning about my vision for the aviation division, about a way to build it. I said, I wanna be the biggest, baddest aviation division in the United States, nationally recognized. And here's how I wanna do it. And I sent you guys a vision, but see, I involved others because in, in, in involving in that vision, some of the stuff you'll give me will be wonderful, great feedback. Some of it will be cautionary feedback. Some of it might even be negative feedback. I need to hear it all. I, I, I can't you know, be surrounded by, yeah, rah, rah. I need to hear the good, bad, that make me think. Because you know what I'm gonna do then? You've seen this. I'll come back to you with a modified version of the vision that solves that issue. You'll, you'll trigger me. That's how the vision then really becomes a reality of that 100 times, that 100x, right? So, so you know, think big, um, involve others, whether it's your faith, your friends, your family, or whoever else is gonna involve in the vision. And then the last thing is know what your why is. If you don't know what the why is for the vision, you'll never, you'll never achieve it. The things that I do poorly right now that I'm not accomplishing, I frequently lose the why. I lose the, what am I doing with this? If I'm not serving somebody, if I'm not enjoying or intrigued or challenged, if I, well, it might be wonderfully successful, but if, that, if that's not my why, it's not gonna get there. It's just not gonna get there. And all of a sudden something will click and you've seen this in your job or you've seen this in your work, you've seen this in something you've bought, something will click and when it does, that's your why. And then balls start getting crushed out of the park, right? So it's kind of a little simple approach. I love that. Man, you have helped me today. Like selfishly, <laughs> I got so much from this. I hope anyone watching or listening has felt even half the inspiration mm -hmm. and motivation that I've gotten from this because I wanna be the best leader my, that I can and having you as my leader helps me. And I hope that the people will see it, implement it, and then share it. Pass it along. Don't hold mm. this in a in a bottle like a genie. Let that thing out so that we can all have that <laughs> yes. big vision. And that's and awesome. so you know you continue to make a difference in my life and the lives of so many others every day. And that's what this show is all about. And you know I I couldn't have asked for a better way to start my day. Thank you so much for the time, Doctor. Thanks, Ramos. brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. All right, everyone. Listen. There you go. Now take this, implement it, execute, and like always, go make a difference. Mm -hmm.